to listening to every little sound because you want to hear, you know, a monkey in the distance, the, the abundance of life there with the jungle. Like it just feels more alive. Like you feel more alive. We're all part of like something bigger than ourselves. Hello, hello, aloha, namaste. Welcome to Vicarious Diaries. I'm Jeffasaurus Rex, your host. This travel podcast is all about journeys abroad and journeys within. As we share stories about our wonderful adventures, the most impactful stories tend to be the ones that follow us home. The moments that gave us new perspectives, new inspiration. Not everyone has the luxury of traveling this beautiful planet, so we will be the conduits and bring culture and creativity to you. Today's Explorer for the inaugural episode, I interviewed my friend Glenn from Australia. Glenn and I met in Spain while I was couch surfing and he was volunteering through Workaway. Glenn is a world traveler who's explored over 30 countries as well as teaching English in Vietnam and South Korea. He currently lives in Australia, where he teaches English online with a company called Cambly. As for travel, one of the main themes that shines for Glenn is how people are more similar than different, which is probably something we could do well to remind ourselves of. Today, we open up Glenn's backpack that's full of adventures and self-awareness through the Amazon jungle, Bolivia, Chile, and Colombia. Hope you enjoy the flight. You remember me? Of course. How could I forget? <laughs> Do I remember you? Yeah, of course. Um, nice little uh, map of the world in the background there. Yeah, I just put it. I up. see you're you're sailing. You're sailing towards Australia there with a balloon. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, my friend. Uh, my friend went to New Zealand, so I brought this map to. A presentation I did and I wanted people to draw on it and just places they've been in the world and some sort of art I can bring home with me but you're the first person that's like completely followed through with you're like I'm ready to go so that's really cool well I figure, yeah look I mean I figured there's plenty of other people who are more qualified for you to be talking <laughs> to like because I mean whenever I hear a podcast or listen to people talk on YouTube, you know, they're obviously like intelligent people. Well, most of the time, <laughs> if you're going to sit down, listen to someone for any length of period of time, you know, cause I mean, I couldn't sit down and watch like a reality television show that was just like complete garbage for an hour. So I just sit down and listen to podcasts. So, but I thought like, if there's nothing that much that I can give from being intelligent, but you're asking me anyway, I'll just try to give my wisdom that I've got from like traveling and whatever. And yeah, I think, what you're doing is like a, a really good thing, trying to sort of bring people together with stories of traveling and just sharing ideas and just being nice people. Yeah, that's it seems like that's what you're trying to get at anyway. Yeah, exactly. I basically like, you know, I just learned from traveling that it was difficult for me to share my journey with people like in such short encounters where we'd be like playing pool or something and like, for me to just 
you know they're like oh i heard you went to europe like how was your trip and there's just so much that happened that it was difficult to like just tell them in that setting like just to throw a bomb on them like of all this yeah this inspiration that i got and you know i got a few opportunities to speak at our library mostly to like people in their 60s and 70s and i took that opportunity and recorded it and i just felt like you know I wanted to speak to other people who have done journeys and given them give them the opportunity to share what they've learned and like share places they've gone because you know there is so many places in the world like I'm not going to get to all of them so I can try and live through other people's experiences yeah. and That's true. Yeah, and I mean like I can understand how hard to like tell people what it's like cuz I mean a lot of people say they want to travel, but maybe they don't know why, or they're just too scared, or they say, "Oh, I'd really love to be doing what you're doing," but um, you know, and you, I sort of think, "Well, you can," but um, you know, obviously they're tied down by something. Um, but yeah, trying to explain what it what it was like exactly, um, you know, it might just be the feeling that you get when you're walking down a street that you've never been on before, and there's like sort of a wind going through your hair, and you're whistling a happy tune it's kind of like you just feel free and like you don't know what's around the corner so right right yeah so yeah it usually was just like kind of quick stories and like when the podcast like i like podcasts too and that's why i feel like this is a great way of um letting people give their stories how was it teaching um uh not teaching just talking to the the old people like old i shouldn't say old <laughs> younger than my parents um um, you know, cause I guess traveling all the experiences that they have, um, you know, all, all the stuff that we've done traveling, the meaning of it changes as we get older. Like maybe we think about it differently in the context of our lives. Yeah. It's, it was really strange because I wasn't expecting such a older audience. So I really had like, all I had planned was I was like going to talk about like, how to get through those constraints like you said like those ties and like how to like face fear and like all these like how to accomplish your goals but like i'm talking to like 80 and 90 year olds and i'm like okay um maybe i should change it a little bit more of you know maybe the places i saw and like what the food was like and maybe some more stuff like that but i feel like i did a good combination of it which was nice and I loved it. I I felt, you know, I was pretty nervous to speak in front of a group. I've never done that before. But it it was really natural. And, yeah, it went really well. And you can relate to that, too, because I saw that you've done comedy before. So. Yeah, I thought you were going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I said, what I wrote you. I'd done it like seven times before, but I, I felt like I wasn't going to get back into it unless I was like, um, you know, I'd gotten rid of the nerves. But that's sort of just really an excuse because um, anyone will tell you that the only way to get rid of it is to just keep doing it again and again. But I guess it just wasn't, um, you know, what I wanted to continue doing at the time. It might be something that I do in the future, but um, it's probably more like writing that I'm more interested in doing. So, um, but yeah, as I said, what I wrote you, if uh, maybe I'd be more inclined to do it now or more confident because I've at least had a year of experience talking to groups of people, albeit young kids, but 
you get to act like a bit of a goofball sometimes just to uh, uh, make them laugh and um, make them relax and realize it's not all about study. So, yeah. Um, and obviously teaching English to kids who don't understand English, um, you sort of see how much uh, comedy relies on, you know, body language and yeah. gestures and stuff, not just uh, what you're saying. So, yeah, but maybe I'll do it again in the future, but for now it's not on my radar. Yeah, I like what you said. You know, you you felt like you were going to wait until you felt more confident, but you said that was just an excuse. And But also it wasn't necessarily what you wanted to dive into anyway, but it's cool that you recognize that and and the fact that you did it anyway. So um, because stand-up comedy, that's like um, – that's got to be. How did you get into that? Like, well, I mean, at the time that I did it, I thought that it, I thought that I was ready. But then you quickly find out that, um, I mean, the first time that I did it was actually in front of like the biggest crowd that I had because it was part of the, the um, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival has like a um, I forget the name of it, but it's like where all the newcomers can uh, um sign up and and have a go. So it's a big festival because like a lot of people sign up and then the winner gets like a a contract to go to Edinburgh or something. Yeah, unless you, you've actually sort of waded into the waters a bit first and gotten some confidence up, I, I would reckon that would be the way to go and then actually try to do it. Um, but if you throw yourself right into the deep end, it can be a bit nerve-wracking or, you know, it can be sort of, oh, well, I didn't expect this, you know. It was. It, it might be just like not so much the eyes on you, but it's, it's also the sound of hearing your own voice over speakers for the first time, you know, it's, um, <laughs> it's hard to explain. Like one thing that people say that they would never do because they're, they're like too afraid, you know, publicly speaking and try to make people laugh. But, um, yeah, it's probably one of those things where it's like, if you've got an itch to scratch, then go for it, you know, try it at least once, you know, at least I can say that I've had the experience of, um, what it's like to have people looking at me and, and feeling nervous because I'm trying to make them laugh. And, um, <laughs> that's nothing. I mean, it's not necessarily something to be proud of, but, um, I guess a lot of things are less scary after you do that. So did it go well? Of the seven, and I would say that probably two were really good. Um, but that first one, not so much. Um, yeah, and one, 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 one. I just bombed terribly because I was like trying out new stuff, which sh- which sounds ridiculous. That like I'd do seven and try out new material. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> yeah, but um, and then I actually like thought that I'd had it down pat. Like I'd you know rehearsed it like a hundred times, but when you you know you're in that venue, all of a sudden the dynamics are a lot different, and you know you start to feel the pressure. You 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 know that you're nervous and you you know that they're sensing that you're nervous and so you, your mind starts just going around like a pinball and you can't actually organize your thoughts so well i couldn't anyway and it was hard to get back on track and um yeah it went pretty terribly but that wasn't the last time i did it i, I said to myself that can't be the last time i do it so the one after that was actually all right but it was in a much smaller venue so yeah i don't know why i kept trying to um you know do these these big ones where it's better it's better to actually start small and then work your way up i think but i don't know different strokes for different folks yeah yeah and 
it's cool to recognize that <clears throat> what what talents we do have in life because I remember I tell this story all the time but like when when I met you and we went on that road trip and we ended up playing these just silly goofy storytelling games in the car and I remember you and Diana like you were really good at your stories like they were very believable and I could tell that like you're good with words and stuff so it's cool that like you know doing something like comedy if you have the opportunity to write out you know maybe some jokes and stories that you want to tell because I remember listening to your stories and I was laughing and I just they were very <laughs> honest but at the same time like just very exaggerated and I didn't know like if you were telling the truth but and, and you wrote in your questionnaire that yeah. it's interesting to find out you know what what you are good at in life and making sure that you're pursuing those things and because it's gonna feel right and be easier yeah yeah I thought you were gonna say um, it's good to recognize what you have talent at in life so it's good that you got out of comedy but <laughs> um, no, thank you See, that's thanks for that compliment uh, I remember that the the aim of that game was sort of like conducive to trying to be you know exaggerate things and um, or take take stories that are believable but maybe put a little bit of sauce on them so good time that was a good, good road trip I really liked that yeah it was very uh, very it was cool because I was in Spain and I was on a road trip and each of us were from a different country yeah. and it was like just such a such a cool combination and. So cool because it was uh, probably 30 degrees in the middle of, I think it was supposed to be their winter or maybe coming up to it. Um, and yeah, it was just on that rooftop. I'd do a few exercises in the morning and then, um, and then, yeah, and Diana came. Um, she sort of got me into a little bit of meditation and it was a perfect place to do it because it was just, it was overlooking, you know, Mijas Pueblo, a really beautiful town. And then you've got Fuengirola. And, and the ocean, so you got this resort town and then the Mediterranean, you got a mountain on the sides and around the back and on a clear day you could see Morocco. It was just, yeah, it was awesome. So, so you're, you're from Australia, right? Like you were born there? That is, that is correct. Okay. And you've literally been to, I think about almost 30 countries, right? Yeah, probably. Um, I've got a little cue card here that I've listed all the, the countries that I've been to, and it's up to 33. That's if you include uh, the Vatican City and Monaco. Um, so, yeah, I've been to a few places. Most of those places, like when I traveled Europe, I was only there for two or three days in each place. Like I was doing, like, uh, I think it's called Bus About. I don't know if the, that company is still going, but yeah, that was um, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so not a lot of time to really soak in the cultural experience and really appreciate the countries. But um, but I, I mean, I did, but um, yeah, not in a way where it sort of got under my skin. Um, but yeah, like I love traveling and I've lived in Canada. I've lived in London and Edinburgh and uh, now South Korea. So um, yeah, a few places. And that's definitely important too, to actually soak in the cultures, to spend, you know, some decent time in places and like like you said you've actually lived in some different countries which is 
super beneficial and brings so yeah. much creativity to your life. And, um, but you know, it's, it's also important, you know, just to, to wander and stuff like that. But my first question is just how did you get into traveling then? Like, was there a first trip, like maybe when you're much younger or trips you went on with your family that like that first travel bug that got in you? Yeah, Australia is a big country and, um, there's a lot of open space. So I guess, you know, being a family of five boys, um, mum and dad wanted to sort of show us around a little bit. So that probably did, um, inflame my interest a little bit, but it wasn't until I was 24 that I ended up going to London. And that was really because, uh, my two best friends were sort of, you know, going over there to find work and wanted to do the whole working holiday thing. And, uh, the start of like a lot of really good adventures. Okay, cool. So you lived in, uh, London for, for how long? And, and tell me about that. Yeah, man, I, it's, it's a while ago. Yeah. Uh, that was for nine months. And, um, yeah, it was like, you know, I was 24. It was my first time overseas. So I, uh, doing that Europe bus about trip that I spoke about before, I'd met a couple of friends along the way, you know, cause a lot of people do that Europe trip and then they go to live in London. I remember there was one time I was, uh, I was on a bus with some girl and, um, she was from Texas and this is going to sound like stereotypical like Texas I guess but it's not meant to I know there's a lot of lovely people from all parts of the US um, but we were on a bus and she was just telling me on this it wasn't exactly crowded it was late at night but she said that she thinks that the US should just bomb all of the Middle East and I was just like you can't say that and she, she, oh, oh, she's like Oh no! I said, "Why? Why do you say that?" And she's like, "Because they don't like to blow shit up." <laughs> I just thought it was like, yeah. So I, I was just trying to, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I was, uh, she, you know, it's almost like, I mean, she could be completely friendly and lovely up to that point, and then saying something like that. It's, it, it wasn't going to make me get up my, off my seat and walk away. I mean, she still seemed like a lovely person that was just completely ignorant, you know. The interesting thing about that oh, is, before you, you say anything else, is I met a girl from Hawaii. So she lived in Hawaii for maybe, I forget, like she grew up in Hawaii and then she came to the mainland. And she was telling me that the school, the, just the things that she started learning when she came to the mainland about the history of the states and all these things that she didn't learn in her school in Hawaii that maybe had made her uh, a, a much more ignorant about a lot of things in life. It's just so interesting because there are so many different states and I think the schooling systems are really different. So, you know, it's, it's a, a mix of emotions and opinions that cause those kind of thoughts and, you know, there, there's a lot of, yeah. the earth is a complex system and place that, you know, it's, it's, you got to be open-minded and, and be willing to learn throughout your life and continually learn and always be a student in life and until you come to a. Yeah. I mean, we all have different journeys and um, we all have interesting stories because we're all trying to sort of. We might be from different places, but we're all trying to get the same sort of thing. You know, we're trying to find a connection with a group, 
you know, have some sort of responsibility and feel we have a purpose and we're worthy um, of love and we're, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's just that it gets channeled by the way that we think, which is sort of due to cultural conditioning most of the time. And the sort of friends that you have, it gets sort of like funneled into some weird views. I mean, again, weird is it's like a subjective thing where it's like what I think is weird to some would be normal to other people and um, vice versa. But um, yeah, a lot of the sort of stuff that we look at as laziness is, um, you know, it's hard to fault too many people for that as well because it's like they didn't wake up one day thinking I want to be lazy it's kind of like an incremental thing that like happened from birth you know whether it's partly genetics or parents or friends or um, your culture you know we all get sort of led down a different way and so it's probably more important to just sort of recognize that and have compassion for people but in the same token yeah you've got to have some sort of personal responsibility as well and uh you can't just let people, you know, be lazy. It'll it'll just turn to greed and, you know, I guess apathy, you know, for all things that, yeah, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just rambling now. No, but, no, no, uh, no. You, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. because <clears throat> it's 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 just like the my friend, um, especially when it's family. Whereas, like, you no, know, I've met people who I live in in uh, near Toronto in Canada and. It's like I've met people who have never left our province and who are like in their 70s yeah. and 80s. And, you know, like some people obviously like maybe they grew up and they weren't as fortunate to be able to do those types of travels. But also, you know, as you get older, you get a little bit um, jaded and you don't want to, you know, change your habits and stuff. But I have friends who told me like some of their family, you know, live in the mountains or something. And they have had that way of life for so long that when you bring that, those new ideas to them, it's, it's so difficult for them to open their minds to it. And I remember reading a quote that I really yeah. liked. It just said, um, be open to everything and opposed to nothing. And of course, like have your have some limits, but at least just have an open mind and don't don't put a stop sign up right away when you hear something that's weird or bizarre. At least just like you said, um, when what you wrote, you said at least hear the person out. Like where where are they coming from? And I think that's important yeah. because everyone grows up with different cultural um, things that have been put on us and that's kind of their way of life and you have to to each their own right yeah yeah traveling sort of helps with that because you're uh, you're constantly coming into you know you've got new stimulus and new people to meet and you've got to have your guard up a little bit but then you realize you know there was maybe nothing to worry about or you know once you get comfortable you want to move on to the next place but if you stay in the same town and I've met people who lived in the same town who are just really nice people. Yeah, there's just a higher percentage, or I guess, or a higher. It's it's more conducive to producing people who are a little bit jaded or or not as accepting of uh, different views. Because I guess if you want to challenge the way someone thinks about something, it's going to be uncomfortable for them if they've like had that belief for so long. You know, it's like it challenges their whole way of living. I guess, or, or the the whole meaning of their life maybe they thought 
the world was supposed to be one way, but it's changing in a way that they don't like. And I can see how that's like a natural human thing where it's like, you know, in youth, you're, you're really excited, you know, genuinely excited about life. And there's this adrenaline because it's like, well, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then maybe life gets in the way in some way or another and people become a bit jaded, a bit cynical because like it changed in a way that they weren't ready to cope with. But yeah, I think travel sort of helps you be a bit more, you know, flexible and adaptable to change because you're constantly coming into contact with it. You see that that's basically the only constant that there is, which sounds, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, you've got people who live in the same place who, I mean, they're, they might be narrow minded about certain things, but it doesn't really get in the way of anyone because they've already they've got their circle of friends, they've got their jobs or whatever. And, um, you know, they're nice people to new people that are coming through town or whatever. They don't really have to challenge any existing beliefs. But when it comes to things like talking about something that's happening on a world stage or pe people who are just getting fed the news from you know, the nightly news on TV where it's basically more just about entertainment or, or you know, it's produced in a way and, and handed out to you in a way that sort of, it's all, it's all a bit like clickbait, I guess. It's not necessarily stuff that's well sourced or um, maybe they've got some sort of agenda, you know. And even when you thought you could rely on some sources on the internet, now I'm sort of like, I don't know who to believe. Um, um, we're sort of living in crazy times at the moment in regard to that. But yeah, like I just don't like it when I'll sit down at a dinner table somewhere and, um, you know, someone's heard something off the nightly news or read some little snippet of something in the paper. And that's enough to base their whole opinion of what to do with a whole race of people or a whole problem, you know, um, because, Oh, actually this, this is the problem, you know, cause I saw some politicians say it, you know, um, you know, and, and basically it's usually just some politician that they like because, uh, you know, it looks like, like them or they like the way they talk or they like the hairstyle or whatever the hell it is, you know? Um, yeah, try, try to be a bit more sort of, yeah, objective or, or have multiple sources for your information, I think is a good way to go. I think the, the fear of the unknown and I think that's what's really cool about traveling is, you know, you start, like you said, you start with a guard up a little bit. And then as soon as you let that guard down and you trust yourself and trust the world that everything's going to be okay. And all, all these great changes start taking place that, you know, maybe some of them you knew were possible. And then you have these crazy things happening that you didn't even know were possible that were the unknown and now you're recognizing just like when you did comedy like you never really thought you could do that and then look at you you're on stage it's actually happening and i think that's cool with traveling is that's how your your mind will become open and whereas if you're not doing new things in life then you are like you said you're you're in a routine and you are seeing something on tv and it's like it's fitting perfectly in the way of your life because you're so used to that and you're not open to change. But yeah, change and growth is huge for me. And travelers, I mean, they're looking for change. Yeah. And and I think 
what you said about the fear of the unknown, yeah, it's sort of like when people say, you know, about certain dangerous animals in the in the wild, it's sort of like they're more afraid of you than you are of them. Yeah, it's it's kind of like when you do meet people, you realize that well, you're the traveler, so it's 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 um quite understandable that they should be more worried about you. You know, you they're quite happy in their lives. Maybe they don't want things to change at all. So you probably don't have to go into a lot of places really worrying. I mean, you, you obviously have to know that you, you're not going into a war zone or anything like me and my friend almost did. Well, we thought later on that because did I did I, I wrote that down that we 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 were in Kosovo, yeah, in Serbia. Serbia. Yeah, my friend and I when we, we took a train. Why don't you tell that? Yeah, story? yeah, sure. Sorry, I probably was was. Well, like making another point, but then, uh, yeah, don't be so don't be so afraid to to travel. Maybe is like one of the points I was getting at. But yeah, you got to have your gut up a little bit, understandably. But that's interesting. Like not to be afraid of that because you're the one who's like bringing change to them in a way. But uh, you know, if you just be yeah. yourself and be respectful, then you shouldn't fear traveling because yeah. Yeah. Well, also. So like the the place that you're in might look completely different from any other place that you've been. But once you get to know people a little bit, you realize that we're way more alike than we are different. And um, any sort of preconceptions that you had about the way they are, really, most people are quite nice, you know. And if they're letting you into their home, they're lovely people. You know, you meet a lot of people like that as you're traveling or, you know, maybe you have to do some couch surfing or work away or whatever. And yeah, you, I mean, they still have to, you know, prepare dinner and um, get ready for work. And it's like, oh, I know people just like this. It's like, it's, it's just people, you know, getting by, you know, everywhere in life, even if it's um, somewhere where it's like poverty stricken, I'm sure there's, you know. They provide for their families and they, they want to be loved like you were talking about. But yeah, so why don't you, why don't you tell your Serbia story. My friend and I, we we were in Austria, and this was right before the start of my bus about trip. I needed to get to Greece. I needed to go to Athens, which was where the starting point was for this uh, Greek sailing trip or island hopper trip, where you took a ferry to four different islands for two days each. Yeah, so we we got a train, and the train went through Austria and then Hungary, and then Serbia. And, you know, it was mostly just cornfields and houses that had been destroyed and were being rebuilt. You very rarely saw people, maybe a couple of kids kicking a soccer ball around. And, you know, we got to the, the border of Serbia and Macedonia. And this guard came on and took our passports and he looked at them and said, Australia. And we were like, yeah. And he said, Visa. <laughs> and we were like, oh, no, we're just going straight through. We're not actually stopping in Macedonia. We're going straight through to Greece. And uh, they weren't having any of that. So they said off. And as it turns out, Americans and Australians were the only ones at that time uh, who needed visas to go through Macedonia. And uh, I'm not sure if that's changed now. Um, but, yeah, we, we were really worried all because, um, you know, it was just, like about two or three cement shacks in the middle of nowhere, just nothing but cornfields around and 
these big greasy guys with their shirts undone and um, didn't speak a lick of English or very much at all with like big guns and they didn't look happy to see us, you know, like we'd been we inconveniencing them with paperwork or something. So like, this is the perfect place to get rid of like two Aussie backpackers, just like let the train go. We've got their passports. We could just do what we want with these guys. Probably sound like a, uh, I'm yeah being a bit dramatic there, but <laughs> yeah, at the time it wasn't very fun. And, and I was happy when the guy said, you've got to get back on a train and go 12 hours back to Belgrade. You know, it was going to be a major inconvenience, but I was happy just that they weren't going to do anything else to us. So that's what we did. And on the way back, we sort of opened up our Europe on a shoestring book and found out that we were, we were in Kosovo. Uh, where there'd just been a war and uh, I said Australians are not advised to go through this area. I wasn't going to make it to my uh, sailing trip on time. So we just stayed at the airport and um, I got the flight out the next morning. But when we stayed at the airport, these two guys invited us into their office just to have whiskey with them in their office in the airport. And I just thought that was so nice. And I just thought you could never do this in a lot of other places. Like I was thinking mostly Australia and they couldn't believe that we weren't allowed to get through. They were like, you know, uh, political or oh, it's ridiculous. If you're ever in town again in Serbia, in um, Belgrade, you know, you can come and stay with us, you know? So they just seemed like really nice people. And um, at that point I was thinking that most people in Serbia must be really mean because, <laughs> uh, just from what we'd experienced 12 hours before, but um, yeah, made it to to Athens just in time and um, went on the Greek sailing trip. Yeah, I think that's that's a lesson in itself. Uh, a little bit, maybe to do a little bit, a tiny bit of research to the countries that you are going to. I mean, it depends. Like when I went on my trip, you know, some of the historical places I went to, I almost wish like. I had learned more about them before I went there to appreciate it more. But when I, yeah. when I went, like, I was like, I just want to be completely fresh. I don't want to know anything. Like I'm just going to go to this country. But sometimes I think it is, I see people who are like planning out a little bit of their trip and like, you know, I do want to check out this place and maybe a place that makes sure your, your nationality is allowed to go into that country. But, uh, yeah. Oh, and in, in Hungary, I didn't actually get to step off the the train to go onto the platform in Budapest, so I just stuck my hand out and touched a tree as it went past, like I touched a leaf of a tree. <laughs> um, so I could say that I'd sort of touched land in in Hungary, and that's that's all I've experienced of Hungary. When I read that, I had a I had a pretty big laugh because it was just like it was just such a, a strange thing to write, but I was like, that actually sounds cool. Like, cause it's like, Oh, I reached out and like touched a, a like from the moving train yeah. or whatever. And, uh, I wanted to ask yeah. you, you went on this South America trip and that really intrigued me because I've never been to South America and I haven't met too many people who have done extensive South American trips. And what, what brought you to South America? Oh man, it's funny. Like to be honest, I think it was just like I was sick of working where I was and just decided I wanted to travel. So yeah, that's weird that like I can't actually recall the time where I thought right South America. Maybe it was just that like it was another place I hadn't been 
and um, it seemed like a little bit dangerous and I'm sure in a lot of parts it's extremely dangerous but like you know I knew that it was like well traveled enough from other travelers and that and that, that I could like meet some cool people and um, and it was developed enough that I, I could enjoy traveling there if I was just sensible and use some common sense that I'd be okay um, and yeah had a great time in South America people are really really friendly and yeah just just I guess there's a lot of like community spirit there and a lot of like spirituality and stuff as well so and and good weather great natural scenery with like mountains and beaches and rainforests and jungles and stuff it's um yeah yeah, there's a lot of a lot of poverty as well, but um, it's yeah a lot of beautiful people. Where's the first country you went to in South America? Yeah, yeah, I was Chile. The first place was Santiago, and then I went up to Valparaiso, which um, has got a lot of like really interesting graffiti on walls and stuff. Yeah, it's by the water as well, so there's like a little bay. I got on a bus and went up to um, you know, we talk about like you know just going places and not actually doing much research on where you are. I went all the way up Chile and then um, stopped at this place, San Pedro de Atacama. And um, it wasn't until I was actually there that I realized it was the driest desert in the world, San Pedro de Atacama. And it, it kind of looked like a scene from the Wild West, like just the scenery, like these like old red mountains, and you know red and white rocks and uh and we we rode about 20 kilometers to this place where it was like salt water that you could actually float in which um it's probably quite dis disgusting the amount of people that have been in it but um yeah that was that was pretty interesting and then went through to to um bolivia so before you do bolivia because I've never been in a desert, and a lot of people who listen to this, maybe they haven't been in a desert either. I think we have, I think there is one desert in Canada, but like, what's it like? Be, like, because there's a lot of deserts in Australia too, right? Like, like, what's it like going to the desert? Obviously, you mentioned the stars and stuff, but tell me, what's it like going to the driest desert? It's, I mean, it's not like, I mean, it was still a town there that was set up, and then the journey from Chile through Bolivia was kind of like, like being on Mars, I guess. You know, I think it's even there's an area there that's called like the Valley of Mars or something. The town itself just like really hot during the day, and um, I think quite cool at night. But yeah, dusty streets, and um, but it's not like it's not like a desert that where you would step outside and see like all red sand, like in Africa or, you know, you're basically looking at mountains and, um, and then you're getting in a Jeep, you're going over those mountains and maybe stopping off to go through some tunnels or, um, see a lagoon with some like pink, um, flamingos. And yeah, it's just, it's kind of one of those things where you talk about where it's hard to explain to someone else. Like it's more the feeling you get when you're there, like the feeling of, you know, freedom and, you're in an interesting place and yeah. You touched on the feeling that you get while traveling. And I think that's really important because I remember, you know, it's not necessarily, not necessarily the places you see. And you know, the, the most, one of the most important is about the people you meet for sure. And the growth that happens inside you. 
And but sometimes it's just the actual feeling, like you said. Like there's times where I'll be listening to a song, or a song will come on the radio, and it's like this this sensory nostalgia. And like I'd like to read up more on it, but you or you smell something. You smell a dish that you had in one of your travels, and it instantly like transports you, transport transports you right back yeah. to that place, and it's. It's amazing, and I I love that. And you just close your eyes, and you feel like you really feel that memory, which is cool. And you can't really explain that to people. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, I know what you mean, though. I guess they can get that. They can understand that concept, though. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny how vivid it can be when you remember it like that. When you smell it, it's sort of like if you tried to remember it like just consciously, you probably it wouldn't come back as much. But if you get that smell or that sound, it was exactly the same. It's almost like you're transported and all of your senses are back there. Yeah. And you spent a pretty lengthy time in Bolivia. What was that like? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Like, yeah, some like beautiful scenery along the way. Um, it, it does kind of feel like if, the, if, if, if you could be on Mars, you know, and it'd be really sunny, I guess that that's what it would feel like plus, you know, lagoons and, and pink birds. <laughs> Didn't you say you uh, you had, like, a, a mugging story? Like, you got mugged in Bolivia or something? Yeah, me and this girl. But we went to this, this other bar um, not far away, and we were, like, the last ones to leave at, like, 3 a.m. Yeah, pretty drunk. And I guess, so I guess we were ripe for the picking this guy came up to the girl that I was with and sort of started groping her. So I kind of came across and was like, Hey dude, what was Hey, and sort of separated him. And as I was doing that, some, I feel like a hand down my pocket. I look across and some other guy has got his hand down my right pocket. So I grabbed his wrist and when I could feel him trying to come back out, I let go of him. And then I, I sort of look up and there's three of them standing in front of us. And I've realized that there's nothing in my pocket anymore. He'd like taken it out as I let him out. And then I was just like screaming at them to, you know, you know, fuck off, basically. Uh, that's what I said. And uh, get out of here. You got what you want. And the the Swedish girl who spoke Spanish actually, um, actually she was Swiss Swiss girl. She was yelling at them, translating them, what I was saying. And then they ran away. Um, so I guess that was kind of a happy ending based on the fact that they could have like done us some harm if they wanted to. And it was really annoying that I lost my credit card and some money, but. In the whole scheme of things, if you uh, if you stumble out drunk on the street at three a.m. and you're the only one there in a town that you don't know in South America, maybe you um, maybe you could be a little bit more commonsensical than that. So yeah, it wasn't fun, but I guess in the end, I'm not harmed by it. I've learned a lesson, and uh, it's an interesting story to tell. Yeah, but most people, when I tell them that, like they're surprised because it's like Sucre is like one of the more safe places in um, Bolivia. I think that's important too because you have the opportunity to tell yourself a positive story or a negative story from that and like how it will affect you. And I've had another friend told me where he got mugged when he was in Turkey and he, you know, on my trip I didn't get any, I didn't have one bad thing really happen to me the entire time. And I think it's important for, sometimes that stuff too happened to teach you a lesson, you know, maybe 
to be more aware if you are out drinking to be a little bit more responsible or not out too late in places that you are unfamiliar yeah. with. But it seems like you took it quite well and it didn't really um, affect much more of your trip, which was good, right? So. Well, I mean, there's no point in if you know that you're going to be there for a while longer, letting it affect the rest of your trip. Uh, but I was pretty annoyed at the time. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that it's kind of shines a light, like a, a beacon on what it must be like for people there as well. So I end up coming out of those situations kind of thinking, well, they clearly needed that a lot more than I did. You know, it's not like that I would just therefore just give it to, give it to them. Um, but that's how you kind of like cope with it a little bit, rationalize it. Why would, you know, cause you, you're asking questions like, why would people do this? But it's like, well, it's obvious. They kind of, you know, grew up in learn, learning it because they thought they had to do that um, and, and probably did, you know, you see little kids get on buses trying to sell candy or whatever it is um, at six years old, probably trying to just get a bit of extra money so their family can buy rice or whatever. So yeah, if you have a, a crappy experience like that happen to you, it sort of probably puts everything else that's happening in that place in perspective. You're getting, you know, it's getting in under your skin, as I was saying before, and um, you're learning more about the place and the way that people have to live and therefore having a bit more respect for them. That sounds that sounds crazy to say you need to get mugged to have respect for people that mug you, but um, yeah, I mean respect for their situation, you know, just to help you get by. Did did you go to the the salt flats in Bolivia? Yeah, yeah, I sort of just like past Uyini, um, I think on the way to Potosi, which used to be an old mining town. That was pretty cool. I mean, it was just like what you would imagine just looking out and seeing nothing but like white sand until the horizon. But I mean, there's not many places where you can go to see that. So yeah. Um, and yeah, it was like the people that you meet along the way sort of make it fun and interesting. So yeah. Nice. Nice. It's, it seems like a, a rare, a rare place in the world. Yeah. I mean, like we spent most of our time like in towns or cities you know, or even if we've traveled someplace and we see mountains or beaches, we've seen them before, but to go to a place that's just like completely white, it's, it does kind of feel like you're on another planet. And that's a kind of interesting feeling. Like it's more just the fact that you're standing there looking around thinking this has existed the whole time that I've been alive. And like, you know, I never really, I never knew it before. You know, it's kind of cool to come into contact with. When we talk about like traveling in like, not being able to describe an experience or a place like it's a good example there because like particularly on the the ride when I did this other trip there through the jungle it was like a three-day jungle trek in Bolivia um, so you do like a river so you have to go along in a boat to the place that you're going to be camping yeah just a kind of I've never been to Africa but I'm sure there's parts of Africa where you'd have the same feeling where it's just like the air and I don't know, just the surroundings, the the abundance of life there with the jungle. Like, it just feels more alive. Like, you feel more alive. And, yeah, I just really loved it. I'd like to go back just to have the same experience, but maybe I could see the Amazon from a different perspective, like from Brazil or somewhere, somewhere like that. Yeah, before it gets, you know, chopped down and turned into 
farms and stuff. I don't know. It's pretty, pretty sad what's happening, but. That's, that's, uh, that's amazing answer. You're doing a, a great job. Um, because <laughs> I, can't, I didn't, I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> because I was going to say, um, you're doing so well that I forgot that you were in Korea and like, I really feel like you're telling me all this stuff about South America and that's the whole purpose of this podcast or these videos is to like, you know, bring travel to people and, I really like what you said and see I'm learning so much too the abundance of life like that's such a good way of putting it because when I go for a walk in the woods like that's and, and go down to the lake those are my two favorite nature things to do in my city I'll walk down to the water and it's just so calm like there's nobody there and you can hear the sound of the water it, like it's ice right now it's frozen so you can kind of feel, hear this weird like as if the ice is tr starting to crack and things like this it's really weird sound but it's so quiet sure. and peaceful there or when I go for a walk in the woods and there's so many trees same thing there's nobody there and like there's lots of oxygen and it just feels like yeah, there is like there's life there, but when you go to a place like the rainforest, like there really is an abundance of so many different organisms and animals that you really you can really feel the energy and that's why you did say it's like a very spiritual place. So that's really cool. Good story. <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean you you stopped me, man. You just described it even better. Um yeah, it is it is really swarming with life like with all the, the trees and the, the insects and like and you know it does feel very calm and quiet but you also listening you're also sort of more attuned to listening to every little sound because you want to hear you know a monkey in the distance or and you realize you know it does feel calm, but it's sort of it's also a jungle too it's like it's um you know there's pant there's uh, jaguars and um and wild pigs and stuff so you've got to keep your wit it's about you and, and but at the same time it feels it feels calm and i guess it it is yeah it's spiritual because you you do feel more alive than what you would if you were in a city surrounded by concrete i believe exactly yeah and uh that's why it is so important to find out what makes you happy and and what makes you tick and challenges you in your own city right like taking advantage of what what is not that far from you maybe you can go on a road trip that's two or three hours from your place from your hometown or the city you're living in to to something that that is going to turn on your brain like that and make you actually use your senses and you wrote that um this is kind of changing topics but you wrote that that you want to learn to be in the moment more and I've learned like I I think everyone wants that like that's the most important thing right to be in the moment and I think the what I've learned the best way to do that obviously other than of uh, getting rid of distractions is is using your senses like touching things and actually like turning on your ears like actually actively trying to listen to the, yeah. the tiny sounds and 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 you will be more in the moment and it's easy for that to happen when you in, are in a foreign land but it's much more difficult when you are at home in your in your comfort right and your routine but yeah yeah sort of we we probably underestimate how much stuff we miss just 
by not being attuned to what's happening around us because we let some ridiculous or mundane thought like go through our brain and it leads to some sort of needless thought or paranoia or right. whatever. Um, <laughs> to paranoia, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, well, not so much paranoia, but, you know, like some sort of insecurity or something maybe. Yeah, or just thinking about what should I do for the day or, or, or but I, you know, just procrastinating, you know, or just like turning off our brains because we want to watch some thing on TV where like it might be slightly entertaining, but you'd probably finish it and think, oh, I could have done something more active there, would have actually got more out of it, you know. And yeah, a, lot, a big part of like meditation is like doing what you said, like opening up your senses and just like being more in the moment. I'm definitely no expert on it, but I'm pretty sure that's that's one way to go about it and um people need to do that more if they want to sort of be more productive and feel more energized yeah sort of what you were saying is kind of reminds me of i don't know who said it but it was something along the lines of uh the ability to or desire to see new places it's the ability to see places you've already been to in new, with new eyes, with, with fresh eyes. And, oh, that's a um, good quote. That's a good quote. Yeah, you can go to a lot of different places. I mean, that's that's one way. Um, but you could also sort of be in, in the same place and, and have a humdrum sort of boring existence just because of the thoughts that you're having. Or you could, like, choose to look at things differently and, you know, see them with fresh eyes. And that will probably give you more ideas or more insights you know and sometimes that happens it just happens naturally a lot of the time um but you could consciously do that by just having a more positive attitude and going into a situation and thinking well what are the good things that could happen as opposed to this is a boring situation that i've been in before something i've noticed is two two things about having i know personally i have a sometimes i have a short attention span and I think a lot of like maybe the younger generation growing up now um, is probably even worse. But I remember I used to like, I've, I've always been obsessed with music. And like when those first iPods came out where they had like the album cover and you'd, I'd be flipping through my songs and occasionally you'd see an album cover that really stood out and you would take a second look at it. But it, was, it really dawned on me like how much I was missing Whereas like if I just took an extra second to really look at the picture and I, and you're like, wow, because you know, mm. most artists, musicians will put something special into that album cover for a reason. And it's just like a painting. Like, I don't know how many times, even when you go to the dentist or doctor's office or wherever there, even if you're in a bathroom at a restaurant and there's a painting, and like how mindlessly like I do this too, you just don't even notice it unless it really stands out for you. But if you just take a second to to look yep. at the colors, how does that painting make you feel? Like what it what what thoughts are coming to mind? And it it really does bring new stuff into your life, and it makes you more appreciative of of things around you and your surroundings. So the thing that I find interesting about that is like there is a story behind that painting yeah like the way that whoever was feeling that made him or her write or draw in that way you know and uh the same thing with a song or a quote or whatever it's like something that you've heard a million times 
and you, you only associate it with how it made you feel a bunch of times. But then you hear a story about how it came about, and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, I could see how that would, you know, be that way, you know, and it, it, it could be, it could be, um, it could be a drug-induced thing that someone had, or it could be like um, a lifelong love affair, or it could be whatever, you know, and you realize it's a lot more complicated than, you know, you just thinking, oh, that looks nice, you know, and that makes it even more beautiful, I think. Even, exactly. Even my friend said today, she just went to, she just got back from a trip from Ecuador, and she, I just saw a post she, she made, and she said, to she was sitting in like an avocado field or something and i guess you know thinking about how long it takes to grow an avocado tree and you know especially if you're like for in canada or something like i go to this grocery store and i'm like oh i got an avocado and then like you know you eat it and like you eat it in like two minutes or 30 seconds or whatever and it's gone whereas like the amount of energy and everything that went into like getting that avocado to you, it's exactly what you're talking about. Or, or it could be a song, right? Like the amount of emotion, like that could have been someone's whole life, like a, a relationship or something. Well, yeah, supermarket is a perfect example, isn't it? Because I mean, we just walk into it and just look at all these aisles of stuff that's available to us and we think, oh yeah, that's not, I, I deserve this because I worked, you know, for this amount of money and uh, I can purchase a seven dollar block of cheese, yeah, um, but you don't really remember, or you don't know, you don't know, uh, uh, yeah, the the chain of events that occurred to um, for for it to get on your shelf, including the history of you know what it took to make cheese or whatever. You yeah, know? when it was just an idea, As an example. like when it was just an idea, and then you got some guy at like the crack of dawn, like milking a cow or whatever, like. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's good to, again, with the senses, I, I met a girl, we did a a castle tour at, I think it's called Alhambra in Spain, in Granada, you've probably been there, the castle in Granada. Yeah, no, I, I walked up the hill and sort of walked around the castle a bit, I didn't pay the entrance fee to go inside. Uh, it's always like that entrance fee, but that one, I was so glad that I actually paid for it, because the earlier that day the girl was like oh yeah i spent this entire day at that castle i'm like you spent the entire day there like that's that's insane but when i went in there like literally you go in one room and it's just the ceiling there's these tiny just you have to look so like carefully there's so much detail it's like it's unbelievable but um the girl i was with she just started touching the walls and stuff and she's just like, I just like touching things, you know? And it's like this this childhood thing that we kind of lose. Like when you're a child, you like play with Play-Doh and stuff and like you, you lose that as you're an adult and that sticks out for me on my trip. Like the fact that just that moment where she was like touching the, the castle wall and I'm like, that's, that's cool. Like, cause people don't do that anymore. Like <laughs> we don't even, you know, it's mostly like your eyes. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I notice sometimes. I notice myself. I'll go for a walk, and then it's like, I'll stick my hand out just to feel the texture of a tree or whatever. And it's like, I haven't really been consciously thinking to do that. But it's like when I do it, it's like, yeah, I, I should do this more often. I mean, it would look a bit weird to do it all the time um, if everyone's just walking past watching you stroke a tree. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, you know, know what I mean? It's sort of like it could be it could be anything. It could be just like, you know, when you were a kid, you'd be riding along on your bike and you'd stick your hand out so it could flick a bunch of fences along a you know, or a bunch of sticks along a fence or whatever. And yeah, we probably there's these things that like in, in culture um dictate what we're supposed to do because it's like a it's a norm, you know. We're not supposed to act like children when we're adults, but yeah, we could definitely do with a bit more of it to to feel like more alive, and then and just that we appreciate things. Or or sticking your hand out the window when you're driving, or your head and like the hair is in your the wind is in your hair and stuff. Like. Yeah, well, you, you've got the perfect head, and it's a it's a crime against nature for you to not do that. So. All right. Yes. Now I will most definitely do that. <laughs> so you've been. It's. I like how. I like how you went to, on your first first big travels. You went to, two countries that were both, mother language was English. So you went to England and then you went to Canada. So that's like a good start. Like you know, go to yeah. some countries that speak the same language, and that's like, that's a you know, get your get that that uh get some comfort while you know leaving home for the first time and then you know and then venture off into places like south america but you uh i've never been to vancouver so that's cool that you've been there and i have seen pictures and i people talk about it that it is it is a pretty magical nature place for sure and there are a lot of places in canada that are are beautiful with nature but you mentioned something about your your old boss that had an effect on you who is a quadriplegic or something yeah well he used to be like a very good skater and i think he was actually working for like some disney show or something like that and they were traveling and there was a, a an accident in the truck that he was tra traveling in and he ended up becoming a quadriplegic well, I mean, he still has a little bit of like movement in his hands uh, or his wrists, but not a lot of dexterity in the fingers. And, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, comp completely paralyzed. And um, yeah, he was actually able to get some advice from some guy who was a mentor from him and ended up setting up his own herbal medicine shop. So he and he did like a, a kinesionics. Um, he became like a certified kinesionics practitioner where basically it's like diagnosing people with muscle testing i don't know how much science is you know is in it but um it's just like you know someone who's actually able to have that happen to them and not only stay positive but like start their own business and, and continue to help people so i mean you could be forgiven for being in that situation and then just like deciding oh life's not worth it or or whatever and just being in the dumps you know the whole time I feel like if that happened to me, I don't know how I would deal with it. But um, he's a good example of like um, someone who's been able to take a really crappy situation and um, make the best of it. Yeah, that's 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 inspiring because I have a few similar stories that come to mind when I hear that, where so many things like. When people say, "Oh, I I could never learn an instrument. I'm not musically talented." Like I I hate hearing that, and because you literally yeah. can go on YouTube and you see people like who can play the guitar with like their toes and like 
like it's just wild you're like hey if that if that guy's playing like a solo with his his toes like i'm sure you could play learn the piano like or just you have to put in the time yeah. you know and the practice the and the proper practice and but what really comes to mind with that story is i had a friend who he was working on some sort of um electrical pole doing the wiring and there was a an explosion and luckily he didn't die but he actually had his arms got blown off and he survived and he he had a family and kids this is a crazy story but he you know he went through a period where like you know that's like i don't know the whole backstory but i know like his wife kind of left him and like i'm sure they still talk and stuff but it was pretty intense right and he went through like the these suicidal times but after he got over that hump he he started playing hockey again which was crazy cuz he used to be really into hockey and he had a really close friend who would help him dress and put on all his gear and i actually went traveling with this guy that's how i met him and he came on this hockey trip with us and he he didn't use a hockey stick obviously cuz he doesn't have arms but he had full equipment and he would kick the puck and stuff and he would block shots and like just seeing this like uh is so inspiring and yeah. i remember walk go, skating over to the bench and i didn't notice it was him and i just said to the person i said oh can you grab me that water bottle and like he turned around it's like oh shit and then uh instead of him just like saying sorry man he like walked over and like grabbed the water bottle with his uh with his teeth and like brought it over to me and it's just like it's exactly what you said you know just not not giving up and finding a way like there's always a way of some sort of happiness and you and you said that too there is different routes to happiness which is yeah that's all i'm going to say <laughs> yeah yeah no. yeah it's sort of it's an interesting theme because i i certainly don't um i certainly understand where people are coming from where um they they can't be happy because uh you know, usually it comes down. I don't really like it when people say um, money can't buy happiness. I know what they mean by that. And like, you can be happy without it. But I mean, like, you kind of need to sort out the bare essentials. Like, you need to be able to pay the bills. And, you know, I guess, I guess you could, you could, you know, be without like a lot of things, maybe even shelter if you had like um, respect people in your community. But, if you, I guess, I guess what I mean is money can buy you some opportunities where, where you don't have to worry about time or, or stress about, um, you know, sorting out the bare essentials and like the daily struggle of life, you know, so that's why it can be hard. But, um, but yeah, man, like losing, like losing the use of your legs or arms or, or having your arms blown off. Like I can barely. I can't imagine what that must be like. So that's like definitely a great story like for people to, if they think that if they're like, cause yeah, you, you hear so many people complain about the most mundane details that like it's so trivial to not even worry about They're just like not focusing on the right things. Yeah. So it's all about where you direct your focus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you can't just, you can't base your entire life off that. Like, Oh man, like, 
there's there's always people who have less than you like of course like you can't be sad like i understand that like life isn't always that easy anyway like just because you know you're not living in a developing nation that's you know they they barely have water and stuff but it's it is important to just be aware of of everyone's ability everyone ever anyone can do anything if you put your mind to it and it's it's important to just be aware of those things um uh, you've been to Colombia. I don't think we talked about that. So, but yeah, share some, share some. Yeah, man. Colombia is, yeah. Colombia is like really cool. Um, many, many beautiful and friendly people. I, I did surfing there for the first time. And uh, yeah, one girl like let me stay in her living room for like three days or something like that. And I was in Bogota, um, which is sort of like a very busy city and actually the first time I went up this uh, sort of mountain I think it's called Monserrate and um, there's a nice church up the top um, actually it was my first day there and I saw like two rainbows because it was like you know, dark clouds on one side and sort of like you can see a nice you know amount of the the sky and it was like clouds sunny rainy yeah it was really cool the people are very friendly but it's a big city too so you know you probably meet nicer people in like rural towns and stuff um, the buses are really, really packed and you're sort of squashed in because um, there's no subway system. And then Medellin is actually called the city of spring or city of eternal spring because they have such nice weather um, all year round. Yeah, Medellin is known for having a lot of beautiful people and um, it's quite modern now compared to what it used to be. It used to be one of the most dangerous cities in the world, but now it's actually like a lot, a lot safer. You know, I'd recommend people go there as well. Check it out. Um, yeah, I went to a cool place called Sand Hill. Some sort of mountain trekking and abseiling and diving into um, pockets of water and, and climbing through caves. And um, I was with one American guy where we did that and we saw some like black stuff, sort of like an ointment on the cave walls. And we thought it would be funny, I don't know why, to just like smear it under our eyes. And uh, as we came out, we sort of like were speaking to the tour guide who was taking us around and he told us it was batshit. So batshit. that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. We'd smeared batshit on our faces. But yeah, we could. Sort of, we could. Yeah. It wasn't far to find some water where we could swim and wash that off. But also went to Santa Marta was cool. I saw a, I saw a coconut drop from high up and nearly hit a woman in the head. Um, and apparently like more people die from coconuts falling on their head than shark attacks. So it's a little, little bit of trivia for you. This is great because, you know, if people want to go to Colombia, like, you know, the, the, there's a lot of places in South America where there's a stigma that they are really dangerous. And of course there's dangerous parts in all parts of the world. And like, just like you said, in the States, there's probably like more dangerous towns or cities and, it's nice to hear that like you had such a great experience in Colombia. Like Colombia in particular, like I think maybe one of the reasons like they're just so friendly to tourists is because uh, yeah, they want to dispel that sort of reputation that is sort of like that it is dangerous there and they, they want people to come and enjoy their country. So you can imagine like if Canada had a reputation for being something that it wasn't, you'd want to sort of like make people have a good time. Make
Yeah, exactly. And to dispel, yeah, the stigma. And man, you've been to a lot of places. So, so you're in Korea teaching English and South Korea because we haven't talked about that at all. So that's more up to date, Glenn. Yeah. What's it like teaching to kids who don't, who, so you obviously don't speak any Korean, right? Or do you speak a little bit or? No, I only know like from being here a few basic phrases, which, uh, yeah, it's not enough to get by for a conversation, but, um, yeah. What's it like teaching kids who, who can't speak English? Oh, well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's cool because, um, like I was saying before, you kind of rely a little bit on body language and sometimes acting like a bit of a goofball just so that they know that they're, they're able to have a bit of fun. You know, at times it's difficult or frustrating because like you're trying to get them to study as well, but they just want to play. And, um, yeah, which I'm sure is like the same across the board in every part of the world when it comes to kids. Cause it's like they're, they're the world is new to them and they're so their job is to just sort of learn about it and, um, in whatever way that they can. And, so I teach different age levels, like from kindergarten all the way through middle school up to middle uh, elementary school up to middle school. Um, so you've got the kindergarten kids who are just like super energetic. They're like almost uncontrollable sometimes, but it's kind of like as frustrating as it is. It's also like charming in a way, like to see them being like that. If I had a kid, I wouldn't let them like run around as much as like obviously some of their parents let these kids run about. Um, but yeah, they're, when they're having fun, it's hard to sort of like put a leash on them in, in, in that respect, like figure of speech. I don't actually have a leash that I put on the kids. And then you've got elementary school kids where like, um, depending on what level or what age they are, um, some might be more interested in learning in English than others. I mean, that's, that's all the way through. But um, yeah, it's just interesting becoming a teacher and learning that like there's certain and dynamics in a classroom that um how to, how to balance it like you might treat one class differently than another because of like the personalities in it you know it's all about trying to find the right balance and um making sure that they're have fun, having a bit of a balance between like enjoying it and actually learning something at the same time after a while they, they'll sort of get it but it's even even after a year there's a lot of kids where you're like oh it's hard to see if they've actually learned anything but um but that doesn't stop you from sort of like having moments most of the time where you're enjoying the job and um i've enjoyed it enough to want to like travel somewhere else in asia and do it again so yeah i'm actually a little bit interested in um how you've gone like with your uh, online teaching as well yeah it's such a it's such a cool job um your job and the one i do uh, for me, because it forces me to get up super early, and for you, if you were doing it in Australia, like you're closer to that time zone. But regardless, it's it's really cool. It's um, I I I feel the same way about sometimes I'm I want to make sure that they're learning and not just like a lot of times we'll be going through the app and they'll just be reading it. Like if they're really their English is really um, new. Like some of the students I have are like really good in English and those are the most fun um, because I can um, 
be funny and like they understand me whereas like someone who and i don't speak any chinese language so when i have someone who's just learning especially if they're really young we end up kind of just working on pronunciation and things like that and then i i can still use my body language and stuff but it's um i actually get frustrated not frustrated but a little bit not sad either i don't know what the right word is but after every class, it's so weird. So I have a 25 minute class and then like you say goodbye to them. You don't, you A, don't know if you'll ever see them again. <laughs> like they might, like I have a lot of reoccurring students, but like sometimes like I might not ever see that person again. And like you kind of feel bad cause like you're getting, like I, I don't know why I feel bad, but like I'm getting paid to like teach them English. But like I just, uh, I'd rather get to know them a little bit. Whereas like you have 25 minutes yeah. to put in this lesson where you're, you're, uh, you want to get them to get the most out of it. And then you're kind of like, well, have a great day. Like, hopefully I see you again. Like, and sometimes it is difficult if yeah. they don't speak the best English because you can't really bond. It's more about the lesson. But I do really like when, like I said, sometimes they'll mention they play an instrument and I might just say, all right, can you play me a song or something and sing some English words or something. But it's, it, I would definitely recommend it. I like how it gets me up early. It's, um, it's not full time and it's something I can do from my house or anywhere with Wi-Fi. So, I mean, you recommended it to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try, I'll definitely look into it. Yeah. Thanks. But, um, any, anything else you want to say about Korea? Like, I like you, you wrote in your questionnaire that you wanted to, if you can try and rub some positivity or creativity off on people from your travels and things you've learned in life to people who maybe they feel like they only have so much wiggle room in their life. That's what I got from what you wrote as in like certain jobs that they can pursue. There aren't yeah. as many. So like, yeah, if you want to explain that. Well, like in Korea, there's a huge emphasis on like going to like one, you know, private academies and um, trying to get into or do well in high school and get into a good university and um, to get a good job because like I guess that's just the culture. I don't know exactly like what the job job opportunities are, but I have a feeling that they're only in a, a certain few sectors like IT or um, engineering or teaching in terms of the ones that are like reputable and available to get um, you know I'm, I'm sure that like people whip themselves up into a frenzy thinking that they have to get get this score when maybe they don't in a lot of cases like they could probably find other avenues to finding success um, but yeah if they've been fed that their whole life and and to a large extent it's true um, then I can understand how they will be really worried and stressed as they are when they're entering high school and thinking I have to get a good grade, you know? So there's a lot of like, yeah, a lot of stress that the culture puts on them. And, um, I just, I say that like, like it's, it's not, it's undue pressure because like, I think that they would actually have better results if they studied less. Like you look at a country like, uh, I think it's Iceland or Finland or something. Um, they have like the least impact amount of like homework hours and study hours but it's just because of the lifestyle and the quality of teaching um you know it, it's conducive to 
make helping them remember more and um, think more critically and um, producing you know more educated people. Um, so yeah, they could probably take a leaf out of like a few other countries' book, but um, if I can sort of rub off in any way, it is a conservative sort of country, you know. Um, there's like it's developed in a sort of Western way. Like there's a lot of technology and um, you know good infrastructure and plenty of good transport and everything. But a lot of the, especially the older generations thinking is like still quite old fashioned. And, you know, a lot of that comes from like Confucianism. So I guess it's like, if you want to come to Korea, it's a good mix of like, you know, a little bit of Western um, and sort of like what is traditionally Korean, but um, it's probably a little bit more conservative than what I expected it to be. I think like Japan, for example, might be a bit more uh, tourist friendly, you know, um, but yeah, still a great place to to come and experience a, a, an interesting part of Asia. Yeah. Cool. And uh, so, like, what's next for you? Cool. And look, and interested in your next travels, like maybe it will be Africa because you haven't hit that continent yet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'll have to get there at some stage. Yeah, you've done. You've gone everywhere else, right? So I was saying, unfortunately, the last white rhino I think died um, in Sudan recently. Um, I, yeah, it's pretty. It's a shame what like humanity is doing to like other species. Um, yeah, that's probably it's too too sad. To, like the last white rhino in the world died in Sudan, like a few. Yeah, so there's no more any they're extinct now. Um, yeah, so that's probably too sad of a note to end on. That was recent. Um, you just cut out there. The last that was recent. Yeah, well, that just goes to show you like some of the priorities, like the media, the way that it's churned out news is that like that should be like massive news. That should be like uh, if it was front page news in every newspaper, it would be the type of issue that people actually care about. But um. Um, yeah, it's just sort of gets swept under the carpet and not many people hear about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, like so many things. Do you keep a journal on your travels? Do you ever keep a journal? Oh man, that's so funny that you mentioned that because I was talking about the same thing last night with a friend. We were both saying that we should like have like kept a journal because because um, you'd be able to just like recall every little sing single thing that happened. And obviously there's a lot of stuff that happened that in time will just fade, fade away and won't be stuck in the memory bank. But um, um, yeah, I should, I should do that, but I haven't actually got one. Like I, I did it for a bit when I was in South America. Um, but yeah, unfortunately in Korea, I mean, I've, at least now you've got like uh, Instagram and um, I probably use Facebook more than I should but um um yeah like you've got a sort of journal of photos and that can sort of like jog your memory a bit but um there's certain conversations or people that you meet who would be great along the way to sort of like jot down even for ideas for stories but just just so you could look back in years time and like go oh yeah i remember that that was that was awesome um but you know i haven't been doing it yeah and that's okay because uh What's good is I, I I wrote a journal on my trip for about half my trip, and it is really cool. Um, the older they get, 
and looking back and reading and like where your head was at in that certain time period is really interesting and but the great thing yeah. is is when you do video chat or talk on the phone with people who you met traveling is they'll bring up stories from those past memories that you have forgotten and uh and then that might spark another thought so that's cool like you don't always need a journal and uh you can just talk to your friends who you met traveling and they can they can be your journal yeah well i mean yeah just trying to set yourself up in a position where you can surround yourself with friends like um in real life like which i've got now which is good um I'm obviously going to be leaving to go back to Australia, but you know, I guess I'm pretty lucky to have four brothers as well, where we can chat anytime. And um, you know, um, yeah, having those people around you where you can turn to, and if you're having a crap week, you know, just to to talk to each other. You know, I guess women do that a lot better than guys. Like, um, I mean, traditionally, like, there's no reason why guys can't and probably should, just because like maybe we there's this sort of stereotype that we're supposed to like hold everything in and just suck it up and um you know get on with the job you can do that too but you can also sort of get a bit of um solace from talking to friends and just like talking about your problems yeah yeah for sure i'll i'll tell you a quick story before we call her quits um but this has been a, a amazing yeah, sure. amazing podcast um when I was in Portugal, I don't remember if I told you this, but I stayed in a, a self-sustainable community and they had a, did I tell you this? Uh, Portugal, no, I don't think so. So I was, I was lit, I went for three days at this um, community that they purchased, a, purchased a bunch of land in the, the hills and surrounded by so much bush and trees and they were living there and like having their own community and like had their own garden and stuff it was really beautiful and they they would have once a week they would have these meetings where everyone from the community there was about like 15 or 20 people living there and they'd get together and you know they'd talk about the problem any problems in the community like solutions and things that weren't going well and this girl mentioned that she wanted a sacred area for just the women to go like during their time of the month, like during their menstrual cycle and like just to have female energy and stuff and girls can like talk to each other. And then it was interesting. Like I, I thought that was a great idea, but another e even interesting idea is one of the guys stood up and said, you know, it would be cool to have an area for just the guys, like a man cave. And not only to like, bond with the guys but exactly what you're talking about to actually like talk about your emotions as guys because guys don't generally do that and and then he also said like to wrestle like get that inner warrior out but um it was cool to have like those two areas and um sometimes it's difficult to get a guy to open up a little bit but you just have to get to know them better and ask yeah ask the real questions and uh again back to the the mundane stuff like just just ask the real questions like how you do how's life like any goals you have any goals for the year or like challenges what are you facing in life and what makes you happy like 
it's it's interesting to figure out what makes people tick, right? Yeah, like behind it all, I think people just want to feel like they're being listened to and respected. And uh, yeah, if you're able to do that for someone, it might sort of like be a jolt for them too, like a pleasant surprise. Because it's like, oh, dude, the most, most, most conversation that people have in general is very um, mundane because it's all like a social protocol kind of thing. It's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm great. You know, it's like they might be, but sort of like you've got to let people know that it's okay to come out and, um, you know, just tell, say that they're not having a great day or, yeah, find some time and space and the right people to um, to work it out. Yeah, and to, to be a good listener, like you said. Uh, just before you go, do you want to leave leave something like um, that we missed um, or just your your what defines happiness for you? <laughs> a quote? You had some good quotes. I like the... Uh, the abundance, the, the abundance of life. That that's what I'm taking away from this. That was good. Take your time. <laughs> it's, it's not easy for a lot of people. Like there's a lot of like struggles just happening in the world. But um, yeah, some of the themes that we spoke about, I think, are important to remember. Just like that's one of them. Like what you just mentioned. Like to try to get more in touch with nature because, like, you know, we probably forget that we we sprung out of the earth and like it's sort of it's it's a bit artificial to be surrounding ourselves with all this like concrete and um or like i mean it, it just depends like it's it's all about getting a balance you know um making sure that you've got the right amount of friends and purpose and um responsibility and and you feel like your life's headed in sort of positive direction but also appreciating the moment you know um so yeah look i mean it's it's not really for me to say what someone should do to be happy. You know, I can sort of like give in some what I've done. Like, obviously, like diet and exercise are important. Um, but I'm not happy all the time. There's still like a lot of stuff that I have to to do. You know, to to make sure you know I'm sort of challenging myself and improving. That's probably like the other way to that, that's important that you kind of touched on. Is like you got to be doing new things and like challenging it yourself and um it's it's more about just sort of like embracing learning you know having an open mind and like being pleasantly surprised by new information that you can then sort of incorporate into um how you go and apply it like in the world you know it's sort of like um not just about what you can read in a book but how you can apply it so that it becomes wisdom and helpful to, to someone else you know so yeah, just try to be nice to people um, and help them when you can and, and um, you know, do what you want to be happy, but just uh, try not to hurt anyone else, you know. I mean, that's that's kind of like a very simplified thing of like what we've been talking about, a simplified way of saying it, but um, I guess it's a good starting point. Yeah, that was that's a great way of putting all of that, of summarizing it. And I think that's important, like you said, to to bring new things into your life. And then, you know, you can get overwhelmed by there's so much in life, like earth is a complex place. And, like, and there's so much to learn. And you're all you can always learn and learn and learn. But it's important to know what resonates with you and how to use it in in the in the correct way for you. And then 
as long as you keep challenging yourself and, and learning, you're going to be moving in the right direction and staying balanced, of course. Learning how to cook. I think that's a huge thing yeah. for me. Learning how to cook the and you're just getting the right nutrients and you're staying balanced. And I, f I feel like a lot of people I yeah. know don't really know how to cook, and <laughs> including myself. <laughs> well, I think if you're doing that, sort of like responsibility and also have a respect nature and it sort of helps you to be balanced you know and to understand that it's not about like um knowing the most stats and the most statistics um it's sort of more about um you know having being able to be self-aware you know to, to be able to check yourself and realize that um we're all part of like something bigger than ourselves i think um that would actually help people actually apply the knowledge that they get in a more sort of altruistic and helpful way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I'll let, I'll let you go. And, but, uh, it's difficult sometimes when like we could talk for hours, but when, uh, when, when you do something great in life or something great happens to you and not to, and to remember like, you know, you are just like everyone else and like, you're no, you're no more special or less special than anyone. You're all the same, and uh, everyone just has their ups and downs. And like you said, some sometimes you you do really have bad days and stuff. But it's about being aware of that, being aware of you know I am having a off day, but I'm still good. Like deep down, I'm still good, right? And that's important. Self awareness is is key. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and we get like affected by it thoughts and um it's probably helpful to think of your thoughts more of like um you know they come and they come and go and we don't want them to come and stay if they're going to negatively affect us and you know any thought would if you, if that's the only one that you had but um you know i i heard someone say that you should see them more as like waves that are coming in and you're like the body of ocean that holds those thoughts so they'll come and go and crash and then they'll recede back into the ocean. Um, so, you know, just understand that, um, or it's a good way, it's a good sort of way to think of it in terms of like visual imagery to, to help think of your thoughts as just objects that sort of, um, you know, they don't, it doesn't have to be who you are. You're sort of bigger than that. You know, um, I don't know if that actually helps sort of manifest better thoughts or the, future there's ways that you can obviously do that um just by exercising the right discipline and um um yeah just trying to find the right balance in life but um yeah i'll leave it with that perfect yeah that's good okay perfect thank you so much for for taking the time like that was a pretty long talk appreciate you taking the time out of your day to to share that and um well, uh, I feel I feel like a closer connection now too, which is cool. So, because I haven't seen you in over two years, I guess. So, I will let you get to your day, and uh, we'll be in touch for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're you're very welcome. I can't believe it's been that long, but um, yeah, round two coming up. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Glenn, enjoy your your mountain your mountain day. <laughs> Thanks, man. You too. Yeah, cheers. And there you have it. 
Everybody back on the bus, please. Time to head home. Thank you so much for listening, and hopefully we were able to add some culture and creativity to your life. Next episode, we buy a Eurail Pass and tour across Europe while enjoying the ancient lands of Turkey and drive on the wild side in India. If these stories and energy are resonating with you, give it a follow or subscribe, and please feel welcome to leave a comment or review. You can find the audio version on Apple Podcasts or the video version on our YouTube channel. I'm Jeffasaurus Rex, and remember, stay curious, vicarious. <laughs>